Hello and welcome to another You Are My Borough, where we're going to talk everything Middlesbrough um, with myself, Scott Wilson and Dom Shaw from the Northern Echo. Hiya, Dom. You well? Yes, I'll make yourself. I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm going to start the um, the video and the pod by this. This will mean nothing if you're listening to it um, on a podcast version. But if you're watching the video, I'm going to start by apologising because we've set it up slightly differently. We had a bit of a technical oh, issue yeah. starting it. And we're the wrong way around, aren't we? It's like Ant and Deck appearing on the other side of each other for the first time ever. I think if you're watching it, we've magically swapped places, Dom. I'm not sure if I, I like it. I didn't know what you, I didn't know where you were going with that there when when you started. And, <laughs> and so I'm thinking, of, you know, have I done something here? Is there something in the background that isn't? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Yeah, we like to keep our viewers on the toes, don't we? Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. We, that's what we'll start doing. We'll start throwing a quiz in of which way around we are and who's doing what. Um, just to jump in there, actually, you mentioned their podcast. We we finally on um, the Apple platform. So for anyone yes. who watches this and, and and wants to listen to the pods, um, we've been available on Spotify and Amazon for 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 a for a couple of months. But yeah, we're finally on um, on Apple. That's available now. All the episodes we've done so far, including obviously our our special with Sol Bamba last week's on there. So you you can listen back to some of the specials if you missed them. Um, but yep, yeah, subscribe. Like, leave us a rating and review. Spread the word. Yeah. Yeah, you've been wrestling with the tech giants, Dom, to get that sorted. So, uh, well yeah. done. Pat on the back. Finally got the green light after some <laughs> after a red tape wrangle, as one of my former colleagues used to... Uh, that's used exactly, to that's exactly... Hey, if it's a transfer window, then there's definitely time for a red... Oh, that's deadline day, really, is red tape wrangle, isn't it? Yeah, we've got all the tax machine. Transfer talk, it's a good way to start, really, isn't it? Let's get in. Let's get in. That's what that's what this week's gonna be about, really. Transfer talk special. We um we've waffled around about transfers so far this summer without really having anything to really get our teeth into, but but things have cranked up massively um in the last week or so for Borough. One deal done, uh, another couple pretty much in the pipeline, so we're led to believe, and then another couple um that, that are maybe uh gathering pace as well so let's start with the and here he, he's another transfer bingo let's start with the done deal um which is alex gilbert from brentford uh republic of ireland youth international striker or certainly a forward uh spent last season with brentford's b team uh top scorer for them as they won the premier league cup uh their player of the year as well to boot he was offered a new deal at Brentford, by all accounts, uh, he certainly speak to people down there and they were pretty keen to keep him. But um, he decided that his career wasn't really going where he wanted it to um, at Brentford. Obviously, first team football, pretty hard to come by there, even with the Ivan Tony band situation. So he's decided to head to Borough. And, and I guess the interesting thing, Dom, and to be fair, we've had a couple of questions in about this, um, both for, for Gilbert um precisely but also in the wider picture but what do you think we're talking here with with Alex Gilbert are we talking a Chris Wilder style development signing or are we talking a player who is ready to go into the first team and potentially could be leading the line for Borough on the first day of the season given obviously that there's no Cameron Archer there's no you know no obvious number nine at the moment where do you think we're framing this one I think I think all of the, and, and we're going to touch on all of the, the, the players, Gilbert, who's signed and, and those who look very likely to follow in the coming days and weeks. I think, I think with, with certainly two or three of them, that there is going to be a question as to are they, are they ready to go straight into the first team? Um, yeah. 
I, now I think it's clear that they, they, they've been they'll, they'll be signed for the first team. Now it's whether they're ready to immediately make the transition into week uh, into first team football week yeah. in week out. With yeah. Gilbert's an interesting one because he and he said in the interview with with the club um, that playing for Brentford B is different to playing reg normal 23s football because because they're not in the league as such obviously they're in the premier league club uh, cup which you mentioned which yeah. they won, because they're not in the league that they, they they play friendlies against teams from around europe really so he said he played against monaco and psv in tournaments in portugal so in his eyes it, that makes him um, more equipped further down the line now yeah. make the step yeah. in the first team football and he made it clear in his interview that um you know, he, he's come to to play first team and 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 to get minutes. But but he didn't. What he didn't say was, um, you know, I think there was an understanding there that there might be a bit of a transition needed. It, yeah, I think what's interesting as well is is when he talks about kind of what he's going to offer. It it sounds like he's extremely versatile. He said he's a number ten. He, he's comfortable off either flank, a little bit deeper, um, and. The pulling power of Michael Carrick, which I get, which I think is a recurring theme, really, that we'll come back yeah. to again, and again over the summer when he talked about the the first time call he had with Carrick and how Carrick talked at length about how he sees him fitting in uh, mm. and, and where he'll play, which I guess tells you really that he's absolutely part of Michael Carrick's plans, and this wow. this isn't a signing that. I think we're I think we've moved on from that, haven't we now? From last season, the, the kind of club signings and the managers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sat down with Kieran Scott, didn't we, in December, and he talked about how everyone's pulling in the same direction now. Um, it, it, the club now is is kind of where he wanted it to be when he came in. So yeah. I don't think there's any issues this year about players coming in as to who signed them. Um, no. And I think I think Gilbert talking about what Carrick told him in this first time call is is evidence of that. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think I think there's no doubt that Michael Carrick is fully behind what Burr are trying to do here. Um, and and I guess you know in, in terms of is Gilbert ready? Are any of the other signings who might be coming in ready? We'll see a lot of that once preseason starts. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point of preseason. You know, Burr have six games coming up. You would imagine he'll be involved in in pretty much all six. Uh, you know, unless Michael Carrick decides to to really chop and change. I guess the Pools and York games obviously are back to back. Same players probably won't play in both of them, but he'll play in most of them, and that'll give us an idea. Um, but having said that, if we assume that Tuba is going to remain as primarily a number 10 this season, which you would imagine, given how well things went last season, that will be the, the ideal scenario starting out. Then we've got Gilbert, we've got Corburn, who you know he's done it a different way because he's obviously been out on loan. Um, at Bristol Rovers, but you could make the argument, is is it a broadly similar place in his career as Gilbert is? You've got Force, who is that little bit further down the line, but obviously hasn't been playing as a number nine, or certainly wasn't for most of last season. You've got Matthew Hoppy, who's still in and around the place, but, but, but nobody's really sure what his long-term future is. You've got a lot of options there, but it still feels like you stick on number nine is probably not part of them. Is that fair enough? I, I think so. I mean, at the start of the summer, the two areas that looked like the, the absolute priorities were obviously in goal and and I think up front as well. Now, as you said, Josh Corburn has come back from Bristol Rovers. We, we haven't had the chance to speak to Michael Carrick yet this summer. 
he might well have been blown away by Coburn in pre-season. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Force played most of his football as a centre forward in the in the first couple of months under Carrick. Obviously, before he moved out to the right, I, th- I think it'd be a surprise to see Force move back to the centre because if as a, as, a, as a lead in number nine, because if if that was where Carrick saw him playing, then I, I don't think he'd have shifted him to the right in the first yeah. place. There's yeah. obviously Matt Crooks, um, but while Crooks is is a hugely effective squad player. You know, I'm not sure whether he, he's kind of the line leading number nine for a, for a team that are looking to win promotion. And you know, he admitted himself, didn't he, when he got moved up front? He's still getting used to that, getting used to that role. I think what'll be interesting is we we know that um, what Borough don't want to do this coming season is find themselves in a position that they did last season, where come the end of the season they've got five or six loan players going back. Now that doesn't mean that. Borough aren't going to use the loan yeah. market. I, I I wouldn't be at all surprised, for example, if Aaron Ramsey was to come in before the end of the summer. I still think he looks the most likely of those of those of those who were, who were here last season. The Cameron Archer return still feels a long shot at this stage, doesn't it? But but is that is is up front an area where Borough are perhaps going to look to make the use make use of the loan market or? Or do they have something up the sleeve? Because let's be honest, a week, 10 days ago, we'd heard we none of these names yeah. have been floating around. So equally, a name might emerge in the next few days that we've heard absolutely yeah. nothing about. Because if they've done it in other positions, why wouldn't they do it up front as well? Listen, that's a definite possibility. I think that all I would say is I think maybe part of the... Um, Part of the reason we haven't necessarily heard a lot about these names is because of the type of player that they've been yeah. going for. Now, if they're going to be going for a more established number nine and paying, let's say, five million, six million, seven million, whatever for them, you'd feel that's much more likely that that's the kind of name that would start getting out there because there's more agents involved, there's more money involved, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm with you though. I think I think what you know, the fact that we've said that there are options there now, all right. There's not necessarily one you would hang your hat on and say that's going to be your number nine, but there are options. I think what it means is that Borough can almost now make do for those first couple of weeks of the season if they have to, on the understanding that a Premier League loan might well become available in the last week of the window that is really appealing. Um, And Borough now have the flexibility, I think, to be able to sit tight and potentially do that kind of deal. Hey, it might be Cameron Archer on deadline day. If Villa decides, you know what, he's not going to get a game here. You know what I mean? I think Borough now have the ability to just sit and wait for that because they've got options there, you know, and they can get through those first couple of weeks of the season. And and, and I think the other thing is, like, let's be honest, you, you want a centre forward who you're going to hang your hat on in the second half of last season. There's probably, you know, Cameron Archer was right in the conversation for the championship forwards that you'd most want in your team, yeah. wouldn't he? Um, yeah. But that said, and you made the point, didn't you, with Tuba in a, in, a, in a few pieces that you wrote last season, if if Tuba was to suddenly stop scoring, then it, it didn't really matter in the whole scheme of things because there was goals coming from everywhere. Now, I know... It's not. It's not about. It's not just about goals, is it? It's about what the striker gives you. And yeah. and I thought Archer was so effective. Um, I mean, he was so strong, wasn't he, for 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 his figure? And in that podcast Isaiah Jones did last week, which which was really good, he described him as a championship cheat code, and you can see exactly yeah, what yeah, he yeah. means, can't you? Um, you know, replacing Cameron Archer is is some challenge, but 
given given that Borough were, were have known really throughout the second half of the season that if they didn't go up, the chances were Archer would have to be replaced. Um, I, I think it's more likely that Borough have something up the sleeve. And what I don't think we'll see is Borough in a position like Sunderland were really in, in the final stage of the January window. And I know their hands were tied here because it was all it was all because of Ross Stewart's injury. But yeah. where Sunderland were desperately scratching around. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't foresee that for one minute because this is this is a, a situation that Borough have known was 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 gonna come throughout yeah, yeah. the second half of the season. So so I think I think something I you know I I might be wrong but I I think a striker, if if it's still an area which which Borough want to strengthen, which you'd expect to be the case, I, I think there'll be one in before the start of the season. Because it's still yeah. early, isn't it? I mean, it's still well. That's it. That's it. Listen, we, you, you know, we are. You know, we're um, we're a good month off the start of the season yet. Um, yeah. And and I, you know, I agree with the with the with the slight caveat, like I say, that if if they are thinking Premier League loan, which I still think they might well be for striker, then. That tends to be the later one, doesn't it? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that week later, quite often they're on the other side of the world in the come the end of July, looking at these players, and then it, you're getting into August, and that's when they're making the decisions on their squads. Um, but we'll see. Other end of the pitch, um, and and obviously you know Borough have have looked at various keepers. We know that there was discussions with Carl Dar Carl Darlow. That's obviously become more and more complicated as more clubs have got involved in that. There was always Hull. Blackburn got involved, Bournemouth are now involved, Leeds are now involved. It, it looks like Borough have moved away from that. We know that they've looked at Seni Dieng at QPR. There's been talks there. Um, but again, for what we're hearing is, you know, a number of different reasons. It doesn't necessarily sound like that that's the way Borough are going to go now. So Tom Glover is the latest name um, that's appeared on the scene. Australian, uh, 25, was at Melbourne City last year, but has opted not to um, sign a new deal with them has been pretty clear that he wants to test himself in Europe. He wants a new challenge, and um, he's got links to the to this country. A lot, a lot of it adds up. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, we're certainly led to believe that there is genuine strong interest there from Borough, and this is one that could happen relatively quickly if they can get the green light to make it happen. The same questions really lend itself to that, as we've discussed with Gilbert, isn't he? I mean, where where, where do you see him in terms of? What Borough want for a kid? I mean, you know, is he the one that will come in to replace Zach Stefan if, if Borough can make it happen? I can't say I've seen a lot, if any, of Tom Glover. If, if the name rings a bell um, to those watching and listening, uh, it, it, Tom Glover was the keeper who was concussed when a bucket was thrown at him when there was a, a mm. ride a pitch invasion when Melbourne City played Melbourne Victory last season um a flare was thrown on the pitch and, and he'd thrown it thrown it off the pitch and it went into the went into the went into the stands and then a um a riot ensued from there um what, I, so I can't say I've seen a lot of him but he was called up to play for Australia he was called up to the Australian mm. squad last month alongside Riley McGree for the game against Argentina um he's he's been a number one at Melbourne since he since he went there in 2019, having come through the ranks at Tottenham. And and he made it clear at the end of the season, Melbourne were desperate to keep him, but he made it clear he wanted to, to return to, to Europe. J just on all that, you wouldn't think that he'd be coming in mm. content with the idea of being a number two and someone it else... It doesn't feel like that, does it? He doesn't feel like he's a player who's at this... You know, when Borough signed Liam Roberts last summer from Northampton... 
the, you know, coming out of League Two, it was pretty obvious that he was going to be coming in as a number two. That's his role, you know, and 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 he can live with that certainly for his first season in the Borough ranks. Doesn't feel like that with Glover, does it? With the with, with the record that you say like he has, I mean, you know, he, he's he's going to be wanting to be Australia's number one and play in the next World Cup, isn't he? Well, he's not going to do that sitting on the bench at Borough. That's it. And, and and I saw some quote from Melbourne's boss at the back end of the season, and he'd said. Uh, he's growing into a really good goalkeeper. He's way off his best, as many young goalkeepers are. They can go well into the 30s. There's so much ahead of him. So mm. there's, there's, there's clear, clearly really high hopes for him. Um, again, I, I guess the, the proof will be in the pudding. But Dieng, like you said there, as we understand, that 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 looks unlikely now, although there, have been, although there was discussions there. And Darlow, you know, clearly was on, on Borough's radar. The complicating factor there is the fact that so many clubs are now clearly in for him, and and Newcastle are, are likely to use that as a bit of a uh, as a bit of a bargaining tool yeah. for a bit more, really, aren't they? Um, yeah. You've got you've got the lure of Premier League football at Bournemouth, and then the fact that Leeds are now in, is in is interesting because I I always felt Borough would have a chance because Darlow's got a family, he's he's properly based in the northeast. I thought that would have played into Borough's favour. Leeds can pretty much offer the same thing, but arguably double the wages that Borough can offer um, with their Premier League parachute payments, etc., etc. So, yeah, I think that while Borough clearly, clearly were pushing for Darlow, I think events have just conspired against them, really. Sorry, mate, it broke up, it broke up there. Sorry, just oh, say sorry, that last bit again. Yeah, I was saying that I, I think events just conspired against them. I think that, that, that you know, it, it's, it's proved a deal that really just can't be done from Borough's point of view. So, so that's fair enough. Now, um, I guess, like you say, you've got to trust the process. You've got to trust the scout. And if, if they think that Glover is ready to be their number one, then then you've got to go with that, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think kind of what, what's emerged really in the last week is it's clear Borough are looking to exploit areas or leagues that are perhaps um, left alone or neglected by some clubs yeah. or uh, some championship rivals. We know Sunderland went to Central Coast Mariners and signed the defender, Nectar Triantis, and, and there was big hopes there in Australia for him, weren't there? Um, mm. And obviously now Borough look look like they're going to sign Triantis's former teammate, Sammy Silvera, who uh, again, had a big, like Triantis, had a big breakthrough season last season. Um, so I, I think that's exciting. And, and what you kind of look at is for, for years and years, you, you look at kind of recruitment models like Brentford's or Norwich's and, and that's held up, isn't it? As, as, as the model that so many clubs want to follow, you know, bad players, young with huge growth area and potential at relatively low cost. Um, and 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 obviously develop them as as Michael Carrick and Middlesbrough are hoping to. So so I think it's hugely exciting. What what'll be interesting is whether as the summer develops, there's a balance between those type of players and, and one or two slightly more experienced, maybe not championship hardened, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whether Carrick feels there's already enough of that in his squad. Well. And I mean, I guess if you look at Sunderland last season, you'd say that there probably is enough of that already in the Borough squad because Sunderland literally really had a squad made up of that and, and managed to get themselves in, you know, into the playoffs. So Borough, as we, we kept on saying at the end of last season, have gone into this summer with a really strong core. They've got a very good base. They've got, you know, a lot of experience in that squad, a lot of talent in that squad. 
So I guess if, if, if there was ever a club going to be in a position to start, you know, I, I'm not going to say having a bit of a gamble, but but signing the type of development players or, or players with potential or unproven players um, that it looks like the route they're going to go down, then at least Borough are starting with a really good core to add that to. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it clearly is the way that they're wanting to go. It's clearly the way that Kieran Scott felt they should go. Um, and, and it is a big, big change from the transfer windows under Wilder and Warnock, where it was championship names, it was, you know, players that we've all heard of, players that we've all watched, clubs with the greatest one in the world that were able to ch then charge a premium for those players. And so when they arrived to Borough, you know, the, 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 the scope isn't necessarily there for, for a sell-on fee or the ability to develop those players and make a profit. It, you know, it sounds like a model that should work and that almost every club should be adopting. Clearly, the reason every club don't adopt it is it's not risk-free in that you're bringing in a lot of players who have never experienced championship football. A lot of them young, haven't necessarily played away from you know the country they were brought up in. So there's risks there. But I think you speak to most Borough fans and, and they think that this is the way that the club should now be going. And, and if nothing else... What we, what you know, what I think we've all been crying out for is some kind of plan, some kind of policy, some kind of overarching idea that we can all buy into and get behind. And at least that seems to be there now, doesn't it? Yeah, and and I think um, Kieran Scott's been at the club for a couple of years now, hasn't he? But I think this is probably the first window in which he he's kind of truly able to to put his touch on things now and 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 things are working maybe how he envisaged and and, and how he pitched when he came in we know he's kind of overhauled the the scouting department and there's been three or four arrivals in the last year or so there when you look back at the, at the windows from the last couple of years the, the first windows were when Chris Wilder was manager well we know the kind of difficulties that arose there really in that the, the, the Borough were coming at it from two angles weren't they as we've yeah. discussed at length on here there were certain players yeah. that Wilder wanted similar but not to the extremes of, of when Neil Warnock was Warnock. in charge yeah, yeah. now obviously Carrick was was in place before the January window but January's tough isn't it you know it, January January isn't a window in which you can nail down a vision and a blueprint and whatever else is it's, it? it's solving problems isn't it I, you know I think Dan Barlazer was one that 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 kind of fits the bill if you like and and, and you know was a signing clearly that, that everyone wanted to make Ramsey and Archer were brilliant loan signings but but had to be because there were gaps there that just needed to be plugged weren't they they had to yeah, solve yeah. those problems and if you don't if you don't get Cameron Archer and, and if you go looking for a centre forward in January January well how much are you going to have to pay as a if you're a selling club and you know that a championship club chasing promotion it was in need of centre forward to come in knocking you know you're going to pay a ridiculous January premium aren't you so so I think with that in mind this is the first window really in which we're kind of truly getting an idea of how Borough want to operate and and even a couple of weeks ago on here we were saying weren't we that what's interesting is because of the lack of links coming out and the mm. lack of reports and speculation it was hard to kind of pin down exactly what Borough's approach was going to look like. Whereas now, clearly over the last few days when it's burst into life, really, we now we now have a, have a very good idea. And, and you mentioned uh, Silvera there. So let's touch on two deals, you know, like the Glover one that um, we're led to believe are certainly uh, the cogs are in motion for them. That is Silvera, um, Australian, as you say, winger, Central Coast Mariners, um, Borough definitely 
been pushing hard for that one. One of a number of different clubs, um, both within the Championship, Scotland with Hearts, Japan, we've been led to believe that that um, effectively had bids accepted for Silveira. But but um, the very, very strong indications from Australia are that he wants to come to Borough. He wants to join the Carrick project, as it were. So talks um, are ongoing there to try to make that happen. And then the other one is, is Raj Vandenberg, uh, young Dutch centre-half who's been playing second-team football with PSV Eindhoven, but Borough clearly feel is, is ready now for the step um, across to England and to play into the Championship. I mean, two more signings that pretty much fit all the bills that we've been talking about, tick all those boxes, um, and, and you know, we're led to believe could be, could be, you know, relatively imminent in terms of Borough working hard to make them happen. Yeah, and, and there seems to have been plenty of interest in both, especially in the case of Vandenberg. It sounds like there's clubs across Europe and there's some suggestions that he was close to joining Roma in January. Brucia Dortmund have been linked yeah. and, and several well, other clubs. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if if that goes through, which, you know, I say, if, that's going to go through, isn't it? That's going to happen. That, it that sounds happens. like from what we yeah. um then, then that that looks like a, an impressive signing. Now, what I would say there, I know we're talking about kind of players being ready. Um, you would expect he'll be part of the first team picture this season. But I think coming from playing in the Dutch second tier last season, there'll, there'll be an understanding and a patience, won't there, that, that you know, we'll give Vandenberg the, the 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 time and the and the opportunity to settle in and, and get 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 his feet under the table. And and let's be honest, because of um, Borough's options at the back he can do that can't you Borough aren't particularly stretched in any area we know he can play at centre half right back or even left back um, but it's not an area where you think Borough are absolutely crying out for um, for, 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 for new for new recruits um, and then Silvera yeah again you'd said there that Hearts were clearly in for him the, the fact there was strong noises from Scotland earlier in this week or the back end of last week kind of suggested that Hearts were, were um, keen to make it known that they were maybe going to be priced out of it. I think the, the interest from the English clubs was done that. And we were having a chat earlier this week, weren't we? Plymouth and Stoke are in for him. Now, as well, with, with no disrespect to those clubs, at the minute, it'd be hard to make a case for Plymouth or Stoke being a more attractive proposition than, than Borough. Yeah. Unless they're going to pay you double, yeah. <laughs> which you know, I, I, I completely agree. I, I think the only reason that you would choose either Stoke or Plymouth above Borough at the moment is is if they were throwing you know vastly it's different funny. amount of sums. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not I can't that Plymouth would be. No, uh, Stoke, Stoke are a funny club. Every now and then they seem to find money from somewhere to, to overpay massively to bring someone in. Um, but you know you. You'd like to think that even if they were willing to do that, a player, you know, of Silvera's age and, and, and development potential and, and, and profile will be more interested in where his, his career could take him. And, and you're absolutely right at the minute. You would think that Borough was a no-brainer. And, and it, you know, it, it sounds like they're certainly there at the front of the queue. But but, but as we're ever with these things, um, th there'll be things that need wrapping up before the deal actually happens. But, um, you know, he's... He's one that I think you're right with Vandenberg. I think the Vandenberg you would imagine will come in, you know, a cliche time again. But but centre halves often, you know, young defenders probably need that little bit more time to get used to what the championship's all about. And as you say, Borough, 
Borough have the luxury of having McNair, Fry and Lenehan to fill two of their three centre-half positions. So, you know, they can afford to take it slowly with him. If Silvera comes in, a winger, slightly more advanced stage of his career, you would imagine he'll be in and around pitching for a first-team spot from the word go, really, given that, the, you know, the... The way that um the way that his career is is at a is at a more advanced stage already. I mean, he, you know, he he scored and got an assist in the A League final last month. So, you know, while while clearly the the Australian league is not not directly comparable to the championship, that's still a pretty decent level of football he's been playing at thus far. It it's an Aussie takeover, isn't it? And I, and I know then you look back and you think about Schwarzer and, and Mark Viduka. Um, do do you think that that is that is also appealing to these players. If if they if you're a young Australian player coming through and you hear of Middlesbrough's interest and you'll be well aware that Viduka's played there and and Schwartz has played there and even players like Luke Wiltshire who was an Australian international for God knows how long and went on to play Champions League football. Do you do you think as well as the Michael Carrick factor that we've talked about and and the fact that Borough really have always had pulling power? But do you think that's also a factor? I think it. I think it's a factor in the. In the, you know, if you're a young 20 year old Australian, you probably have heard of Middlesbrough in a different way than you've heard of, say, Stoke or Plymouth. You, you, you're probably aware of it. I think a more relevant factor is Riley McGree. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, a, a leading Australia international of the current day is playing for Middlesbrough and is proving that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good environment to be in and to catch the eye of the Australian selectors and to get into the national team. McGree will clearly know these players. I'm led to believe that, you know, um, that as you would expect, once it's got to the stage where Borough are able to use McGree, in that they've been given the green light to speak to the player and his representatives, they have used McGree or will use McGree, you know, to have that conversation. And, and hey, why wouldn't you? So I think that's a big factor. You know, if, if you're a, as I say, if you're a, you know, a young kind of unproven Aussie, but but you 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 know that McGree is there, and and he's telling you, yeah, yeah, it's a great environment. It's this, that, the other. Michael Carrick's brilliant. Then that's got to have a lot of sway because you know, as we saw from the from the last World Cup, you know, McGree is one of Australia's big stars, isn't he? Yeah, and and like you say, that happens, doesn't it? Gareth Southgate's talked about it this summer, hasn't he? About how. Mm. You know that the, the, there's loads of transfer conversations that go on when these when, when they're away on international duty. Yeah, exactly. There's players. You know, Newcastle. Callum Wilson was tagging an inst, tagging Callum, um, James Madison on Instagram yeah. at the time when Newcastle were in for him, weren't they? That that does go on. And yeah, I agree. You know the way. And the other thing is, you look at not just the fact that McGree is a leading light for Australia, but the fact that the way he's clearly progressed since he came to Bora and yeah. Uncle Carrick as well. Um, yeah, because he's definitely one of the players who's gone to a, gone to a new level, gone to another level under Carrick, isn't he? So let's let's kind of wrap. So that that's that's the transfers. I mean, obviously, Borough are out in um, Portugal at the moment. They're they're training on the Algarve. They're going to have a behind closed doors game um, at some stage at the back end of this week against Vitoria Guimarães. Um, they then come back. They'll have another week at Rockcliffe next week, and then we're into it in terms of pre-season games. Hartlepool on the Friday night, York on the Saturday. You would imagine it'll be split teams, split squads across those two games, and then it kind of rolls on from there. So, um, you know, we're in the kind of running fitness, get everyone back, get everyone together phase of pre-season, but, but we're quite soon going to get into the games and we can actually start to see, hopefully, some of these players, which... 
will obviously be exciting and it just all cranks up a bit more then, doesn't it, Dom? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, what what are your standout Borough pre-season memories? I, 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 I remember being at Bishop Auckland a couple of years back yeah. when Uchek Piezu scored an absolute worldie on his debut, dipping volley yeah. from distance. Yeah, I was um, at that game as well at Bishop. Really I, I remember, really being, I remember being at Hartlepool once and, and I think Emmanuel Ledesma had made his debut or it was one of his first games and afterwards Tony Mowbray was asked whether he can follow in the footsteps of another South American and maybe establish himself as a favourite like Janino and, and you can imagine Mowbray saying, oh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's settle yeah. down. I think that was George Friend's debut. I think that was the first time, or, or certainly one of his first games, the first time I'd seen George um, play for Yeah, they stand out. I remember... Um, and I'm pretty sure this was a pre-season game. You might put me wrong here, but for, for very, not very good reasons, Alex Baptiste with that horrible injury. Oh, York. Can you York, remember that? Yeah. yeah. That was a, I mean, that was a really grim one. That was one, you know, where you knew as soon as it happened, it was yeah. really bad. And, and you went to like speak to people after the game and it was just like, you know, it's such a dark cloud had descended because everybody knew that was a really, really serious injury, which is clearly... The one thing above everything else you don't want from preseason games, and then I also just remember being on touchlines with Ito Karanka, kind of dancing around who who they're looking at, who he's trying to sign, what he's doing, and and him trying to give you absolutely nothing, um, and, and <laughs> as silent as he possibly could on it. I have definite memories of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that Baptiste one, I remember that, and I remember speaking to. Karanka afterwards and and like you say that overshadowed the full game understandably didn't it um yeah that, yeah. that was a bad one but yeah I think this year um it's often inter- reading between the lines sorry it's often reading between the lines as well because the other one that stands out is and I, and I don't know if you were there that was the um the Neil Warnock one when they were chasing after Mooney's oh um, yeah and um and obviously it had come out that I think it was Neil Bowser, wasn't it? Was over in Brazil trying to Brazil. do that deal, or he'd gone to the Middle East as well. I think it was the agents over there, and um and and we're uh, we're we're asking Neil Warnock about that, um you know what's kind of going on here, and, and Neil Warnock said, well you bet you better ask the uh, chief executive because it sounds like you have more idea of where he is than I have. So straight away you know that there's issues going on there. It's yeah, like, well, okay, well, we're, well, we're only in pre-season. And then, <laughs> yeah, if there's, if there's two hymn sheets, then they're certainly singing off different ones here. Yeah, uh, Because it's the first time we've seen them for a while, isn't it? So, And, and you know, it's it's the one chance a manager's got to kind of draw his line in the sand and say, no, I'm not happy with this. Or, you know, we need this, we need that. Now, I don't for one second think we'll get that this summer with Michael Carrick. For, you know, A, I don't think it's him and B, Everything we're hearing is that there's none of those kind of tensions, but pre-season's often the time when those tensions start coming to the boil and you, you first get wind of them, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember just on the transfer front as well, I, I think, and I'd have to double-check back, I think it was a um, a Johnson's paint game rather than a pre-season friendly. Right. The night when Borough signed Adama Traore. And, okay. Um, no much that much of just the fact he's a former Barcelona. Yeah, kid. yeah, 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 yeah. Little did we know at the time the excitement that he'd give us over the, it was year, cool. over the yeah, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like you said, lad, I don't think there'll be any. Um, I, I, I certainly don't think there'll be any of of that from Michael yeah. Carrick. We talked about that. The other the other entertaining one with preseason, which again I don't think we'll get this time. Trialist A, trialist B, <laughs> trialist C. Love a bit of that. 
you won't get it from Borough, but you're likely to get it from other clubs. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. York, isn't it? And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, trying yeah. to stay crunched into a midfield challenge with Johnny Housen. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I yeah. Last year, funnily enough, at York, I, I, I remember being at York and um, we, we, we got in position before the game and, and some fella came around and was like coming over and shaking everyone's hands and saying hello and but he didn't introduce himself. He was kind of really overly friendly, but didn't introduce himself. And it was only afterwards I realised it was York's new owner. He just just <laughs> taken the team sheets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's gone. I, I, it hasn't been a takeover since. Yeah, I, mean, I think there has. Yeah. yeah, at least one probably. Um, mm. But I mean, a couple, a couple of new things. Obviously, Borough fans, Chesterfield. That's a relatively new ground, isn't it? And that's an interesting one. Obviously. You know where 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 would you where would you dream of playing La Liga Giants Real Betis in a in a friendly game? Where else other than Chesterfield? Chesterfield, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? So we know that the Betis are obviously based at St George's. Based at St George's, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. It makes absolute sense. But it's yeah, like, yeah, let's oh, yeah. to watch Borough play Betis. Yeah, when you sit down at the start of the summer and plan how pre-season is likely to look, I don't think me or you said, well, that might be when Borough play a, a Spanish <laughs> yeah. top inside. They're better than Chesterfield, exactly. exactly. If anything, if anything, the fact that even though it's not against Chesterfield, the fact it is at Chesterfield gives us a chance to watch back that FA Cup semi-final for the exactly. five, five thousandth time. Exactly, yeah, 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 revisit all of that. Um, well, listen, it's been a it's been a great chat, Dom. Um, as I say, it's nice to have uh, signing stuff to, to 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 get our teeth into. And I imagine by the time um, we do another one of these next week, um, that things will probably have moved on again. Uh, certainly, sounds like um, the Vandenberg deal is is pretty imminent. Glover, Borough pushing really hard to make happen, and Silvera. So we'll see where they are at come come next week and um, we'll also keep the guests coming really enjoyed the Saul Bamba one we've had some fantastic feedback on that so thanks again those of you that um, that have listened to that hope you've enjoyed it uh, as Dom said at the start like subscribe and um, click away tell all your friends and your fellow Borough fans uh, to get involved we're obviously getting nearer to the new season when we'll be cranking things up even more but until now thanks for watching thanks for listening and join us again soon for another You Are My Borough